digital is going to have to involve the human element. It absolutely is going to. The better I get at one, the better the other is going to get and vice versa. Listening to Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay, a podcast that empowers financial brand marketing, sales, and leadership teams to maximize their digital growth potential by generating 10 times more loans and deposits. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insight series, where James Robert interviews the industry's top marketing, sales, and fintech leaders, sharing practical wisdom to exponentially elevate you and your team. Let's get into the show. Greetings and hello. I am James Robert Lay, and welcome to the 60th episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insight series, and I'm excited to welcome Matt Manji to the show. Matt is the brand and marketing agency director for On The Mark Strategies, and I've known Matt for years. I trust the insights he shares, and I love the fact how he is helping financial brands to be more human, particularly in this post-COVID digital world. Matt's mission is simple because he wants to help organizations differentiate, and he wants to help people to make a difference. Hello, Matt, and welcome to the show. Hello, my friend. It is good to see you. It is good to see with you. It is good to be with you. And I always like to start on this point here, particularly as we are in a new, a new year. Um, and as we reflect back on that great century of 2020 and look ahead to 2021, what are you most excited about right now? Whether that just be personal or, or professionally speaking? Most excited. Oh yeah, man. There's just, there's a lot to be optimistic about right now. I think whether it's, uh, you know, personally we have, we have kids doing well in school, I hate to say in spite of everything that's going on, but there's certainly a lot of obstacles out there. But I think our kids, whether it's mine, other people's, whatever, the kids are doing fine, right? They're they're chomping at the bit and they are rolling with punches. I think you would bring up an interesting point, though, with that in the fact that kids have a much higher AQ or an adaptability quotient Mm -hmm than we do say as adults, business leaders, professionals at, at financial brands. And I know this, this goes back to a conversation you and I had years and years ago. Why do we lose the ability or why do we lose our adaptability the older that we get? Boy, I don't know. Um, man, we were just talking before we turned on the thing about teaching and whatever. Uh, some of it is we unlearn a lot of stuff, right? We unlearn creativity. We unlearn that little bit of fearlessness coupled with playfulness. I was just reading, oh, what what was the name of that book? Uh, Essays and something that Einstein wrote where he talked about how important playfulness was yes. to you being creative as an adult. But kids, man, they they haven't learned how to be that yet. So they're still able to to take stuff. And sure, they may be disappointed, but they get over it and they push through. And I think some of us sometimes could certainly take a cue from that and be more resilient, be more adaptable and flexible and, and what have you. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things I've done this exercise, you know, probably a couple hundred times now 
to where we take some spaghetti and we build a tower with marshmallows and mm. and, and really it's all about what what we would call agile or rapid prototype development failing fast learning quick failures the the fertile seeds from which new growth springs anew and it's funny because the study has been done you know hundreds of thousands of times that millions of times in multiple different industries and, and i forgot who, who who was the the architect of the study but what they had found when they quantified it was that kindergartners build <laughs> higher structures than the best mbas or business leaders do and it's all because the kindergartner isn't afraid to build it break it learn from it and do it again even that much better yeah that doesn't surprise me yeah not, yeah not even a little bit Let's talk about this because, you know, one of the biggest lessons, and I know you do a lot in around the areas of, of culture, of, of brand, of, of experience. And one of the biggest lessons that I've learned reflecting on 2020 and have been doing a lot of writing around, because I think through my writing, I, I typically write around 2,000, maybe 3,000 words per day, more or less, is that financial brands have done a tremendous job focusing on the digital experience. COVID has forced that. So we're making some progress there. But there are two opportunities that I would like to talk about with you, which is around, number one, humanizing the digital experience. And then number two, really, how will humanizing the digital experience only come when we focus on improving the employee experience because from the research that we're doing here there's typically a lack of humanity in the digital experience for financial brands which is rooted deeper in a lack of clarity awareness and buy-in for the employees which is why 60 to 80 percent of digital transformations projects failed to begin with in the first place so what is the difference between employee experience and employee engagement Let's start there. Well, that's one of those dangerous questions, right? Because uh, it can be that you ask several people and you'll get 18 different answers on it. But it really is one of those deals where when if you if you want to engage your team, you would do things like you do things like you'd, you'd coach them more and you'd do things around learning and development, leadership development. You would improve other things. But all of those things play into how they experience their environment. But when you're talking about holistic employee experience, now you're talking about, well, literally everything they're experiencing, their entire life cycle. So like birth to, forgive the morbidity, but birth to death, employee life cycle, all the touch points, all the senses, everything that's happening, everything they're sensing and experiencing. So, when we're looking at that, it becomes way more holistic in nature than, you know, I'm doing big air quotes that no one will see, but like just employee engagement. So employee engagement can have an effect on the overall employee experience, but it's a little bit more limited in scope. Yeah. When, when we look at the importance of employee experience, particularly through the context of digital growth, where are the biggest gaps or the misunderstanding of just digital? Because I see even now post COVID, there's a lot of fear, particularly for those who maybe are on the front lines or those that have been 
in this industry for you know 20 30 40 years and they've built their entire career around the world of brick and mortar where are people getting stuck still you know i i hate to paint with a broad brush i think it's going to vary from person to person but you see things like false dichotomy false dilemma right that two very similar logical fallacies but it's, it's one of those things where it's an either or right so Either we can be physical or we can be digital. Either we can be human or we can be digital. Either we can be really good at member service in a branch or we can focus mm. our efforts on digital. Well, that's a false dilemma that you're you're kind of propping up in your mind and it's subconscious and it's often accidental. It doesn't make you a bad person and it doesn't make you dumb. It makes you a human being who's struggling with a complex issue strategically, right? So mm-hmm. it's almost like you have to get at that presupposition that you're holding on to, realize that's what it is. And think, okay, what if I can clear that out for a second and start from both of these things can and do coexist. Now, what do I do? How do I wrestle with that seeming paradox that I have and realize that all of this is going to stay very vague and messy, except that they both are going to be very real strategies that I have to address and be very good at, and then move forward. Digital is going to have to involve the human element. It absolutely is going to. The better I get at one, the better the other is going to get and vice versa. So if you can start all the way back there, get at those presuppositions that you have, those mental models, right? It's systems thinking at work is what it is. But if you can understand those types of things at the very beginning, then work towards strategy, then then you're going to be way better off if you're talking about like executive level kind of stuff. Yeah. So start once again, I mean, it's, it's starting with the end in mind versus just starting and trying. And I know one of the things that you've written about is this idea of an employee experience strategy. And the reason I'm, I'm wanting to, to talk more about this is I feel that all of the massive changes that were brought on by COVID put people in a very uncomfortable situation. It put people in what what I write about as the circle of chaos where they feel confused, (laughs) frustrated, and overwhelmed. And that keeps them trapped in a new model that I've been thinking and writing about called the cave of complacency. I know you and I have been having a conversation before we hit record about the, the, the elements of story and narrative. So... I've written a lot about the digital consumer journey, but you're actually writing about the employee experience journey. And and this is, I love the perspective. So can you unpack this idea of the employee experience journey and how the employee experience journey might help someone a escape the circle of chaos as an employee or a team member or B help them to come out of their cave of complacency with courage and confidence. Yeah. You know, part of it is again, it's this, it's a holistic thing, right? So we can't even think about an employee experience journey without understanding how connected it is strategically to everything else that the organization is doing. So organizations leadership has to be thinking through okay, I'm so worried right now about what our members are going to say, credit unions, what a member is going to be doing, or community bank, for example, what our, what our customers are going to be doing right now because of the pandemic. We need to make sure we keep making, making that dollar. Yes. So that has to be on point. We're going to be taking a look at it, make sure digital is this and this and this and whatever. And it's not wrong. It's, it's critical. Just as critical, though, is making sure that 
that employee experience is nailed down with just as much specificity, right? What are all those touch points? What are all those portions of those journeys? What are all the stop gaps? What are all the things that are that are happening there? Mapping that out in the exact same way. So when that happens, those folks, you can expect, you can expect one of two things, right? Because if they are ignored, you would expect a fall off on the customer or the member side if members were ignored like that. Well, imagine what is happening right now on employee side, especially given what 2020 is, it's going to be magnifying that thing. So then it becomes, you will see that folks who've been doing the hard work on the culture employee experience side prior to 2020 have employees who are locked in, adapting, they're autonomous, and they're pushing forward. Whereas others now, they're having to figure it out on the fly, and you have folks who are just internally wired that way, then they're able to push through. Others now, we're having to figure out, oh my gosh, how do we help these folks along? And it's been you know, a significantly more difficult struggle. Yeah, that's where I, I think of the formulaic approach of AQ plus EQ particularly in the age of AI, is going to be far greater than mm-hmm. IQ. Because I look at, at COVID as this is just the preview. This is just the the things of yet to come of all of the massive changes that we're going to live through and experience both at a macro and a micro level. And as leaders, I think we, we need to create an environment where people feel safe, we need to empower them to educate, to provide clarity into what that role transformation might be for them. Because otherwise, to your point, and, and maybe you can unpack this a little bit further, a lot of talk has been made over the past, I would say two to three years around CX, customer experience. That's great, that's fine, that's dandy, but I'm I'm predicting in 2021, going into 2023, 2024, I think EX is going to be the next big thing that we start focusing on at organizations because EX informs the CX. And and I got another model, but I want to, how do those two play hand in hand together? Well, who's providing the CX, right? Yes. Or who's designing the UX? It's one of those things that I, I, I'm this is where I get in a little bit of trouble because some people don't know me as well. I'm saying some of this with tongue firmly planted in cheek. So please, please don't misunderstand the tone, but like who do we suspect is providing the customer and or member service? Who do we suspect is trying to design the user experience? If we're starting to get into the world of, you know, into the digital space with apps and the website and the web design and all that stuff, these are still human beings. So Mm. The degree to which we invest in those humans and invest in understanding how humans work and consumer psych and all that stuff, that's the degree to which we will get the member experience right or the customer experience right. We can do all the maps we want to, but if we don't understand the humans who are navigating those things, we're done. Like we won't get it. We'll build these pretty little things, but it just won't matter because you'll have miserable people trying to navigate them and they won't perform as well. 
Technology has transformed our world, and digital has changed the way consumers shop for and buy financial services forever. Now, consumers make purchase decisions long before they walk into a branch, if they walk into a branch at all. But your financial brand still wants to grow loans and deposits. We get it. Digital growth can feel confusing, frustrating, and overwhelming for any financial brand marketing and sales leader. But it doesn't have to, because James Robert wrote the book, that guides you every step of the way along your digital growth journey. Visit www.digitalgrowth.com to get a preview of his best-selling book, Banking on Digital Growth, or order a copy right now for you and your team from Amazon. Inside, you'll find a strategic marketing manifesto that was written to transform financial brands, and it is packed full of practical and proven insights you can start using today to confidently generate 10 times more loans and deposits. Now back to the show. This might sound a little paradoxical, but I've never said this before, but uh, the thought just came to me. Do it. A competitive advantage for a financial brand or any brand for that matter in the world of AI automation is to double down and invest more in your people whether that be through training and education to provide clarity in the unknown so that that they can overcome those fears or to provide uh, some hope as well to upskill them and just to say, hey, you know what? Just because automation and AI is coming on the scene doesn't mean that you're irrelevant. It actually probably means you're even 10 times more relevant because we're going to use automation and AI to take away the mundane task that you're having to do day in and day out so that you can spend more time creating more value for even more people. No, you're a thousand percent right. People who are adaptable, who can look at situations with a, a member or a customer and actually possess the ability to on the spot be creative in a real way with what they see on that screen and be analytical and put together solutions from disparate sources actually possess that ability because they've been in a culture that is a safe space to try things like that, not get pummeled over the head because they didn't take the cookie cutter solution. That's always been presented. That's where you see the real impact of it because that creates revenue over and over and over again, but that doesn't happen on accident. That is an intentional context that's been created for those people an intentional experience and culture that is a sustainable competitive advantage over time that's a big big deal but it's also very rare well i can't help but just think you said something that was key give our people our and particularly those on the front line whether the front line and i think the idea of the front line has to transform beyond that's someone at the in the branch no that could also be a digital sales person a digital service person but the the context of how they're delivering that sales or service experience is going to be vastly different than doing it in a face-to-face context so when you think about giving someone empowering them to make those on this on the spot decisions i cannot help but think and the world lost a great mind way too early tony shea Uh, who was the CEO of Zappos for the longest time. And, you know, it was all about humanizing, really. I mean, he was so far ahead. He was humanizing the digital experience before, like, that was even a thought. 
with the whole perspective of, and, and there was a video that I'd shared recently where he talked about if we can get someone on the phone to help them, just to, not to sell them, but to help them. And if we can't help them, we're going to find other places that can help them. We have a higher propensity, and he gave a certain percentage, and it was pretty high, of converting them, if not now, then down the road. Is this kind of what you're thinking here? Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, you know, I was, I, who was I talking to? I alluded to him as well when that that example man i'm stumbling over everything here i'm having a very human moment where he was talking about the example with the call center and how some of their metrics are so wonky when put next to everyone else's but one of the things they brag about is they have they look at call times entirely differently right it's not so much hey we need to we need to keep those call times down so we can plow through as many people as possible it's what did you do on that call? And they have like this hall of fame where that one, you know, one of those calls was seven, plus seven hours. hours. Yeah. yeah. And, and, but it was because they wanted to talk about everything, ordered that person pizza on the other line and whatever else. And it's just an entirely different way of looking at it, but it's an entirely human way because it's all about that interaction and building that relationship. I can't imagine what would happen if someone stayed in a lobby with a member, the same one for that long. Can you, I mean, seriously, can you imagine what would happen? Yeah. Yeah. You know, as you're talking through that, and this is a question for the dear listener, but when was the last time and maybe, you, you know, if you're not in this direct role, you might need to go talk to someone else. When was the last time that you just had a conversation with one of your account holders or a prospective account holder just to ask them how they want to grow? And and, and this is something that we, we teach around, but it's, it's what are their goals? What are the roadblocks? What are their opportunities? And just listen. I just had Jay Palter on a couple episodes before as we ended 2020. And he was talking about this idea of relationship and the need to just ask good questions, keep our mouths closed, and then listen. What are you seeing through the work that you're doing around that? And is there is there movement in that direction of asking good questions, listening, and then to your point, coming back and then taking action and providing guidance off of those insights? You know, it candidly, it's it's really it's hit and miss my team gives me a, a playful hard time because of, and I, and I, I deserve it. And 10 times more to be sure, because I am an oddball, proudly an oddball with, with certain things, but I, I believe in questions. I really do. The, the, the Socratic method questions are so, so powerful and listening of course, to the answers, but think about the potency behind pointed specific questions like, do we know, really, really, do we know what we want from members, what we want them to feel, think, mm. and do at all these points throughout the process of them interacting with us? But but really, can we answer that question? Like, what do we want them to feel, think, and do when they first interact with us on the phone? Do we know that? Do we know what those gaps are? Do we know what they're probably feeling versus what we want them to? What's the gap? What what that we do could bridge that gap? Do we have specific conversations like that? Are we gathering that data from them? Are we conducting ethnographic research? Are we usually we just kind of assume we want them to feel good? Well, what does that mean? Right. Like, we have no clue. 
and it comes back to what you said before when to, to take this conversation almost full circle now is the difference between employee experience versus employee engagement. And you said, well, you ask 18 people, you're going to get 18. I think particularly at an institution, there has to be a unified definition. That's one of the reasons like the, we, we have a definition for digital growth. We have a definition for experience, mm-hmm. experience being nothing more than well-defined systems and processes that have been defined, applied, optimized over a period of time, resulting in one of two things, a positive emotion or a negative emotion. And I love your question, which asks, how do we want people to, to think, to feel, to do, to answer that question, particularly from that of the lens of a financial brand leader, whether that be in marketing, sales, the leadership team, we have to escape our own doing to create space and time to stop, pause, review, reflect, to learn, to think, to then apply that thinking to do even better and then create that space and time to do it again. Because otherwise, I see a lot of financial brands, they just get in that doing mode and we just keep where where we I think it's in, maybe you, you even use this word before it's intentionality. Yeah. It takes, it takes constant humility and, and organizational self-awareness mm. and this constant like organizational stance of we are never going to be there. We're always going to be learning. We're always going to be listening. We're always going to be humble enough to say, we want to just keep tweaking, keep learning. And every once in a while, it's going to take like a violent adjustment when we discover oh man this is a gaping hole we have here yeah sometimes we'll be the student and sometimes we'll be the guide or the teacher but i think we have to commit to playing both roles on the journeys that we're all taking as an individual as a team as an organization because absolutely transformation of any type, whether it be personally, professionally, digitally, doesn't matter, always begins with some type of training education to provide awareness and clarity into the unknown, to help the unaware become aware of what those opportunities are to begin with in the first place. And and, and Matt, it's been such a great conversation. I, I wanna look ahead with you into this year of, of 2021. And what is, if we could just focus in on one specific action item recommendation that you could give to financial brand marketing sales and leadership teams if they could just focus on one thing in 2021 to make this year even that much better what would that one piece of advice be from you i think it would be to keep that same that same urgency that we've had this year to look at everything every possible way that we can grow and adapt and keep pressing forward with ways to to serve the people that we're to serve. That same level of urgency and passion and excitement that we had over these yeah. past uh, several months to make that who we are now, because that has produced something inside teams and groups and organizations that that we've not seen before. Mm-mm and some speed and some agility that a lot of folks I don't think knew that they actually had, but it's been in there the whole time. That potential has been in there the whole time. So I'd love to see that continue. If I could frame that up, it would be, don't fall back on getting comfortable. Don't get comfortable being, or should I say, don't get, get comfortable being uncomfortable because if you get comfortable, then you get trapped in the cave of complacency and you can look around at all the different corpses there from brands that we know 
and mm-hmm. loved blockbuster and borders and kodak and the list goes on and on that have come out of this this retail apocalypse that i think 2020 caught a lot of people we all knew it was coming we just didn't know it was going to hit so hard and so fast and so talking with you today i'm excited encouraged and inspired about you know the the months and, and year to come because i see the future is still bright and, and i do thank you for joining me for this conversation no, if any, thank you absolutely if anyone wants to to, to to continue this conversation with you what's the best way for them to connect and say hello i'm on social media instagram linkedin twitter um, or matt at markarnold.com that's it. Matt at MarkArnold.com. Connect with Matt. Say hello to Matt. Learn from Matt just as, as we all have today. Thank you, Matt. As always, and until next time, be well, do good, and wash your hands. Thank you for listening to another episode of Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay. Like what you hear? Tell a friend about the podcast and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify and subscribe while you're there. To get even more practical and proven insights, visit www.digitalgrowth.com to grab a preview of James Robert's best-selling book, Banking on Digital Growth, or order a copy right now for you and your team from Amazon. Inside you'll find a strategic marketing and sales blueprint framed around 12 key areas of focus that empower you to confidently generate 10 times more loans and deposits. Until next time, be well and do good.